Hello, FCS Nation. It's time for your show. I'm your host, Kevin Marshall. I'm coming to you from the flagship station of FCS Nation, Fox Sports, 1450 and 92.7 KGRZ in beautiful Missoula, Montana. Join me like he does each week as the co-host of this program, Mr. Stone Lebanowitz. Stone is coming to you from his broadcast center in the sunny state of Florida. Stone, I know you did a game last week on ESPN Plus, launching a TV career. I mean, you're way better looking than me, so I guess you can get that thing going. But uh, we'll get to that game in just a couple of minutes. Up first, we have a couple of more FBS scalps to talk about. Up first, Eastern Kentucky, 59, Bowling Green, 57 in seven overtimes. A battle for the ages in this one, Stone Lebanowitz. Nobody who was there will ever forget it. And I think 10, 12 years from now, there's going to be about 10,000 people who weren't there that are going to claim they were. Parker McKinney went 33 of 47 for 324 yards and three touchdowns for the Colonels. And he also became the EKU all-time leader in completions in the victory. Heck of a game, 59-57, Eastern Kentucky over Bowling Green. Yeah, shout out to Parker McKinney. I mean, that was a huge game. I mean, clutch, clutch, clutch. It's the only thing that I could think of watching it. You know, it's a two-point conversion battle at that point, and he made throw after throw. Ball positioning was perfect. He gained my respect, and that's a huge win for the FCS. Weber State, 35. Utah State, 7. This was complete domination of FBS Utah State by the Wildcats. There aren't enough words to describe how well that Weber State defense played Stone. They held Utah State to just 283 total yards. I mean, they bloused their boots, bro. Yeah, here we come. Here comes the FCS. I mean, how about them Wildcats? This isn't just a victory. This is a huge victory. To win by a three-score margin, four-score margin at that, is really cool to see. Remember, Utah State, they were the Mountain West champs last year. And for Weber State to just get this done in the fashion that they did, 35-7, I'm sure they raised a lot of eyebrows, including me and you. Weber State's schedule, kind of like Eastern Washington, looked like it was going to pile up on them, Stone. You know, that that this was going to be a, it was going to be tough for them to get to six and five. Man, go on the road against Utah State, come out of there with a W, a check, and their pride. That's one heck of a trip, about an hour from Ogden, Utah. Holy Cross, 37. Buffalo, 31. Crazy, crazy ending. And if it was a movie, nobody would believe it, right? A Hail Mary for Holy Cross. Who could have seen that coming? The Sagers rolled up 457 yards of total offense on FBS Buffalo. Yeah, so Buffalo kicks that field goal to tie it. Everybody thinks we're going into overtime. But what a clutch drive from Holy Cross. That entire offense to throw the Hail Mary. You know, you watch that ball take flight and you think there's no way. There is no touchdown. And they end up winning that game. I mean, there's nothing like it. And again, another FCS over FBS win that we love to see, but just a really good performance overall. I'm sure they came into that game not thinking they had a chance, and early on, they were just trading scores tick for tack. It's a huge win for Holy Cross, ending it in a Hail Mary. Bro, that guy was surrounded, and me being in the state of Montana, I'm just going to use that reference. I mean, Custer wasn't more surrounded at the Little Bighorn than the Holy (laughs) Cross wide receiver was, and he somehow comes down with it. You got, what, four Buffalo guys sitting there looking at one another, all waiting for somebody to make a play? Well, you know what? When you're a wide receiver in college football, NFL football, you get paid to make plays, and boy, howdy, did that Holy Cross wide receiver do just that. Incarnate Word, 55, Nevada, 41. Well, you know, Stone, I hate to toot my own horn, but if I don't do it, nobody else will. Call this one again. We've done pretty well in our upset picks so far this season, but the Word 
and QB Lindsey Scott Jr. continue to impress. 616 yards, a total offense for Incarnate Word. This football team is for real. They're a top 10 team, I believe, and I don't believe they're going anywhere, Stone. Kev, we tried to tell him that Lindsey Scott Jr. was a savage and that he was going to put this team on his back each and every week. At this point, we should just expect it, right? We should expect four touchdown performances, 400 yards through the air. It's what he does. It's bred in his DNA. I love watching this Lindsey Scott kid play. Glad they're a top 10 team. And I think they're the most dangerous team. They're the team that you don't want to see on your schedule at this moment right now. Number one, North Dakota State, 45, North Carolina A&T, three. This was a typical bison steamrolling of an opponent at the Fargo Dome. The Aggies never quit, but it wasn't nearly enough in this one, Stone. Yeah, they've uh, week one and week two, a couple of JV squads, and now they have a real tall order in Arizona coming up. But what worries me is Cam, Nail- Cam Miller, quarterback of the Bison. First week, 12 pass attempts. Last weekend, nine. I think that's a little alarming. I know they get out to big leads, and then they can coast early and kind of hand the ball to that running back committee that they do use. But still, for him not to be airing it out, I mean, they haven't found a lot. I don't know if these two games have gotten in any sort of rhythm. I'm a little worried about the Bison going into this weekend. I mean, listen to the former quarterback upset that they're not throwing the ball enough. I mean, <laughs> look, uh, I'm a triple option guy. That's about seven times too many last week, you know? So, uh, but I get what you're saying. But I think you said it just right, Stone. These two ball games, the first two, these were to tune up for what's going to be a very challenging slate in the Valley and an FBS opponent this week. Number two, Montana, 24, South Dakota, 7. I was present at this ballgame, and the score doesn't show you just how much the Grizz dominated this football game. The defense was amazing. Again, held South Dakota to 207 total yards and only 90 on the ground. If the offense can put up 24, 27 points a game, Montana Grizzlies is going to win a whole lot of ball games this season. Absolutely. Lucas Johnson is efficient, so completed 79% of his passes Saturday. And I think you're right. Really, how this game played out, 24-7 isn't indicative of what we saw on the field and in between the lines. So don't expect these guys to score more than 24 or at least 31 at that. You know, I think that this defense is for real. They're going to hold teams to under the mark. And if Lucas Johnson can be that efficient, I don't think these guys are going to worry for a long time. Number four, South Dakota State, 24, UC Davis, 22. This was a hell of a game. The UC Davis defense is stout. The Aggies held South Dakota State to 250 total yards, and injuries are beginning to pile up for South Dakota State. They need a game like they're going to have this week, a get-right game, where they can get that offense on track. They have not looked particularly good. Yeah, I think we should have expected this close scoreline, right? Both these teams saw each other in the FCS playoffs last season. So you had a feeling that UC Davis has a bad taste in their mouth. And to keep this game close, like I said, I think we expected that. But I'm starting to get a little worried about the South Dakota State Jackrabbit offense, right? That just Where is it coming from at this point? We know the weapons are there, but is Mark Gronowski distributing the ball enough? Is Isaiah Davis healthy? I think all of these questions are coming up. And really, I think it comes from that Iowa game, right? A lot of these guys are banged up, and I think they're still trying to recover from it but I am scratching my head a little bit about this Jackrabbit offense. Number three, Missouri State, 35. Number 17, UT Martin, 30. Stone, I really like both of these squads, and it's a shame somebody had to lose this football game. Bears quarterback Jason Shelley was tremendous, throwing for 297 yards and five touchdowns. It was a joy to watch. I've said, you know, all season long, and I know we're only heading into week four, but Jason Shelley paired with Bobby Petrino's defense, that's the recipe on how you win football games. And as a quarterback, what I look for most, what impresses me the most in a win 
is a shootout win, right? Can a quarterback keep pace? And I think questions kept being asked of Jason Shelley, and he delivered time and time again, drive after drive. That's more impressive to me than winning by two or three scores because you're comfortable in that state. But they were trading leads back and forth in this Missouri State game, and this line got down to about even here late in the third quarter. So I was asking myself, can Jason Shelley do this, right? I want to see him do this himself, convert third downs, make the big-time throws in the big-time moments, and he did just that. He impressed me a lot, and I've already been on the Jason Shelley train. The Citadel Bulldogs, 20, number 6, East Tennessee State, 17. Stone Labanowitz, the SoCon, gonna SoCon. I've been on a lot of people's shows telling them that this conference is structured in a way that anybody can beat anybody. And here we are just in week two with a team that was picked eighth and then ninth in the conference. Well, what'd they do? They beat a team that got first place votes. Citadel 20, ETSU 17. I mean, how about them Bulldogs? You called it, Kev. I was a little weary. I wasn't ready to fade this Buccaneers team, but now I am. And I think the the fashion that ETSU lost this game alarms me, right? Like the low scoring, not being able to take advantage of opportunities, going forward on fourth down, coach wanting to go for the juggler. I just learned, you know, that ETSU is not about that life. Like there were situations in this game where they really should have put it away. The Citadel, right? It's a tough place to play. So shout out to your boys, man. They held it down. And then just a late field goal to get it done. So really cool game to watch. But ETSU is not who we thought they were. And Stone Labanowitz, you covered a game last week. Tell us about it. Yeah, so uh, Simo made the trip over to Saluki Stadium and played my SIU Dogs. It was a really, really good game. It ended in historic fashion, if I might. So Paxton DeLaurent, that quarterback for Simo, was just answering the horn every time it was honked at him, right? It was such a good game. I was glad I was on that ESPN3 call. It's the first of many, Kev. You're going to see me on TV. I can't wait for it to keep going. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Welcome back to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. We're now joined by Mr. Jay Colley, the play-by-play voice for the William and Mary Tribe. Thanks for being here, Jay. What year number is this for you doing William and Mary football? Well, first and foremost, it's a pleasure to be on your program. FCS Nation has built a reputation. I think uh, it's pretty pretty much that you, you you're accurate and you're fun and. Uh, and you're promoting FCS football, which uh, is, a, is, I think, a great brand. Uh, of course, we all love FBS football, but it's, it's a pleasure to be a part of uh, this program today. But it's number 41, my friend. So I, I've, seen, I've seen a lot uh, over the years, and I started when I was seven. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, you've <laughs> seen a lot of William & Mary football, and there's no denying the fact that this team has made strides each year under Coach London. It just might be the year where they put it all together, Jay. It might be the culmination of, of, of several years of hard hard work. He's got a great staff. Uh, uh, coach London, uh, uh, you know, has been successful uh, everywhere he's been. The National Coach of the Year. He was a ACC Coach of the Year at, uh, at Virginia. Won a national title at, at Richmond many years ago. We don't talk about that a whole lot at William and Mary, but uh, nonetheless, we're happy to have he and his staff on hand. And you're right. I mean, this team. May have a uh, well. First of all, uh, how about that offense uh, coming in averaging 
39 points per game after the first two games, including a, a victory over the FBS uh, uh, Charlotte team a couple of weeks ago, um, and then beat Campbell this past weekend. Uh, not quite as sharp defensively, but I think that the, the going into the year, very frankly, the defense was supposed to be the strong suit. So, uh, yeah, it may all be coming together. You never want to play, you know, in midseason form after two games, but right now it's close. Offensive line has been outstanding, Jay. Well, and, and that was a real question mark uh, coming into the season. Uh, Ryan McKenna is the starting center. He had never played a, a snap of, of football. The Tribe lost uh, their starting center uh, in, in game one, and he came on and finished that game in the Charlotte, did outstanding, outstandingly. Charles Grant is only a sophomore, but he's it's six foot four and about 280 pounds. Uh, he's at the seven or eight career starts uh, now, and he's a young man that's still learning that position. But the real um, placeholder, if you will, is uh, number 65, Colby Soresdale. He's a senior. He's a captain, uh, preseason All-CAA. He's had you know close to 40 career starts. And as that uh, line goes, as Colby Soresdale goes, he's a real leader of the pack. So goes the offensive line. And, and clearly, you have to tip the cap to the offensive line when you look at those rushing statistics after the first two weeks of uh, football. You mentioned the CAA, and boy, howdy, does it look different. Bunch of new coaches, some teams come and gone. This conference is ripe for anybody to pick it up. And, Jay, it's one of the best ones in the country. And if you can win the CAA, you're going to be highly seated in the FCS playoffs, no doubt. Traditionally, you're exactly right. I mean, several years ago, um, I mean, New Hampshire was rolling. You got Delaware. You got Villanova. You got you had James Madison, and we were fond of calling it the FCC of of uh, of FCS football. I, I'm not sure we're at that level at this point in time, but I do think the new um, the new league affords the opportunity to to keep us together, to be relevant uh, for many many years to come. Not only you know the the old bugaboo about travel expense and with North Carolina A and T and with Campbell uh, and Hampton. Certainly, William Mary has some you know, easy, easy bus rides. Easy for me to say, but easy, easy bus rides. We're we're going to Lafayette this weekend. That's about a six-hour uh, jaunt. But uh, anyway, uh, back to the CAA. I do feel like that the league is strong right now and and and, and growing. So I, I only think I only see good signs. And oh, by the way, when you don't have to play that beast of a, of a program, James Madison, every year, you got one more chance for, for, a, for a league victory. And I, and I think that that will uh, not only be a good thing for William and Mary, but it'll also be a good thing for the other teams in the league that will, will uh, pad their resume with a victory potentially. FCS nation. We're joined by Mr. Jay Colley, the play-by-play voice for the William and Mary tribe on the defensive side of the ball. Jay, what stood out for you so far? Well, you got to start, start, by talking about Nate Lynn. He's a uh, defensive player of the year candidate, not only in the CAA, but uh, on a national scale. Uh, Nate Lynn, uh, according to Vincent Brown, the longtime uh, linebacker for the New England Patriots and now the defensive coordinator for William & Mary, says he, he is a next-level le- type player. He's got, and, and I love this term because I when he first came on the scene, talking about Nate Lynn, Coach Brown described him, he has a good twitch which means he's fast. He gets off that line at the second. That um, plus, not to mention the fact he, he clearly plays against bigger uh, offensive linemen trying to block him, and they just can't do it. Then you go to John Pius, who's a very similar uh, uh, defender. Uh, John Pius, you, you look at his frame at six foot two hundred and thirty pounds, and he looks like, he looks like he's like six two and about 
190. But, I mean, he is cut, man. And, and again, very, very uh, – it has a nose for the football. He's right now – he's posted six uh, – uh, uh, he's sixth nationally in, in quarterback sacks with three and a half after the first two games. And, oh, how about the National Defensive Player of the Week uh, this past week with um, the linebacker that uh, – pardon me, the, the uh, cornerback, Jalen Jones, who intercepted three passes against Campbell, including a pick six. He was the FedEx ground National De- Defensive Player of the Week. So some pretty good hands uh, back in that, uh, on that defensive side of the football and a very experienced bunch as well. FCS Nation, that's been Mr. Jay Colley, the play-by-play voice for the William & Mary Tribe. Thanks for making the time, sir. It's always good to catch up with you. Been a fan of William & Mary for a long time, and I think the whole country, the whole level is good when the Tribe are. Thanks for making the time, sir. Thank you very much. Enjoyed it. Anytime. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Hi there, this is Flash from Bikers Against Bullies USA, and we are a not-for-profit group created by bikers, but not limited to bikers. We are committed to creating awareness and educating both kids and adults on the benefits of living in a society of respect for each other combined with self-empowerment. Bikers Against Bullies USA was started in Missoula, Montana. The very real fact is that kids are kids, and they're dying by their own hands each week due to the insidious nature of the psychological and emotional trauma created by today's bullying attempts. Our personal philosophy is that one dead child is one too many. I personally ask you to stand up, support us, and by doing so, you're making a difference. We cannot change things without you, your support, and I thank you in advance. You can get a hold of us at BikersAgainstBulliesUSA.com or Facebook, Bikers Against Bullies USA. Tory Pines Pub in Las Vegas, Nevada. Whether you're looking for a cold drink on a hot day or a place to try out that hot hand when you're feeling lucky, Tory Pines Pub has what you're looking for. Tory Pines Pub caters to sports fans and hosts Montana Grizzlies games every football season. Not only are you going to find the Grizz on TV, but if you ask them, they'll put on whatever FCS game you want. So when you're in Las Vegas, make your way to the corner of Tory Pines and Lake Mead Boulevard to the Tory Pines Pub and tell them FCS Nation sent you. ToryPinesPub.com. RW Stump Grinding, Central Virginia's premier stump removal company, strives to be professional, courteous, and fair. Founded in 2017 by Reggie West, RW Stump Grinding provides quality stump removals to protect your largest investments, your home and property. Attempting to remove stumps yourself can be dangerous and time-consuming. Trust the pros at RW Stump Grinding to get the job done right the first time. Call RW Stump Grinding at 804 804- 366-4321 or look them up on the web at rwstump.com. And remember, if a stump has you stress, call Reggie West. Winter is coming. Will you get this question again this year from your loving spouse or cute, cuddly children? Why is it so cold in this house? Can't we turn up the heat? Please listen to this. Renewal by Anderson's awesome Winter is Coming sale is on. Winter is coming. Don't suffer again. Buy one window or patio door. Get the second one of equal or lesser value for 40% off, plus an additional 5% off the entire project. If purchased on the initial consultation, it's amazing. And you'll not pay a dime for a whole year. No money down, no interest, no payments for 12 months. Payments as low as $89 a month. Invest in your home. Heating bills are only going up. Renewal by Anderson's windows and patio doors could cut your bills significantly. Please do not wait, though. This sale ends October 15th. 
Renewal by Anderson's winter sale is on. Please visit rbamontana.com. That's rbamontana.com to schedule your in-home consultation and get ready to hear these words this winter. It's so comfortable in here. By the way, have I told you lately how much I love you? rbamontana.com. For hanging with us during the break, you're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. It's now time for Stone Labanowitz and I to take a quick trip all over FCS Nation and preview some of the biggest games taking place this week. Up first, number one, NDSU is at Arizona of the FBS. Stone, are you as shocked as I am that somehow Arizona just didn't cut North Dakota State a check and get out of this ball game? I mean, this is not a good matchup for them. NDSU, they're going to do what they do, run the football, play action, play good defense. I don't think it's going to be a good time for Arizona. You know what, Kev, I'm going to disagree with you there, right? NDSU is favored, right? We've seen a few sportsbook post those, you know, minus one and a half lines, pick them lines, and they are 6-0 versus their last six power five schools, but this one's a little different. I think that Arizona coming off Mississippi State, having to prepare for Will Rogers and Mike Leach, is going to do a lot for them heading into this game. I think, you know, ultimately, I'm worried about Cam Miller, right? 12 attempts in week one, nine in week two. He's just not in some sort of rhythm to go on and play a team like this, right? In the Pac-12, like this Arizona State team seems ready. I think if you walk in that locker room and tell these players that they're underdogs, that doesn't bode well for NDSU. I think you stack the box and make Cam Miller beat you. And I don't know if he's able to do that. So I'm going to disagree with you here. I think North Dakota State's the one in for a, uh, a tough ride here. Number two, Montana is at Indiana State. I like to see these Big Sky Valley Challenge games. And Indiana State, look, they were lucky to get away with a victory in week one against North Alabama. Montana, they're not sexy. They kind of remind me of an NDSU squad a little bit. Defense is solid. Offense does enough. Special teams are always going to be a plus on a Bobby Hout coach football team. Number two, Montana hits the road to Indiana State. Should be a good one. You're right. Defense is solid and the offense is going to do enough. I love the way you put that. I could not agree more. But to me, no offense is really prepared for this Grizz defense. Indiana State's in for a long, long Saturday. I don't know where their points come from and how they're even able to score against this Grizz defense. I think Lucas Johnson, again, puts on a efficient performance, puts up good numbers for us to read through the next week. I love this Montana squad versus Indiana State. I think it's a huge mismatch. Number three, Missouri State is at Arkansas, the FBS. You know, we talked about how that Holy Cross game last week ended like a movie, right? Well, I mean, this is like the epitome of Hollywood. Couldn't write a script like this. We all know what happened with Bobby Petrino at Arkansas. No reason to rehash all of that. He's built Missouri State up into a national power very quickly. I think he probably has to feel pretty good with the squad he's going to roll into Fayetteville, Arkansas with. Yeah, I think for this game, you're just looking for a few moral victories where you can get them, right? Arkansas is going to be a huge favorite. But if you're Bobby and that Missouri State Bears squad, you want to try to tie, you know, at the end of the first quarter, like a 10-10 scoreline or getting into halftime down 21-17. Like there's few wins you can find because K.J. Jefferson and that Arkansas offense, right? They're an AP top 20. 
top 10 team at this point in the college football ranks. So I think this team's built. I think they're a sleeping giant in the SEC. This is not a good time to go see an Arkansas squad, but right, a lot of history, right? Bobby Petrino knows these guys, know what they want to do. He knows their DNA. And I think it could be interesting at one point, but got to look for some moral victories here and keep everybody healthy. It's going to be a tough task for Missouri State. Well, I was present when an FCS squad called the Citadel Bulldogs rolled into Fayetteville, Arkansas in 1992. They had no idea what was about to hit them that day. And they got beat 10 to 3. So it can be done. And it's been done to the Razorbacks at their place in front of all of them calling the Hogs. And I wonder if some of the newer Arkansas fans just have no memory of that. But believe Mm. me, the athletic department there has institutional memory of that. And if you don't think that they've pointed that out this week, you're nuts. Uh, I expect Arkansas will not try to sleepwalk through this one, will not take anything lightly. It's going to be a good ball game, I think, and a better game than most believe. Butler is at number four, South Dakota State. I love South Dakota State here. I think this is a good get-right spot, good opportunity to score a lot of points. Like I said, this offense is a little worrisome for me. Like, where are the points going to come from? You know, we haven't seen any consistency or any rhythm in this offense in the past two weeks. And I know you played on Iowa squad with a really good defense. But like I said, it's a really good spot to beat up on Butler and score a lot of points. And it's in Brookings, right? Hard place to play. So I expect these Jackrabbits to roll. Number five, Sacramento State is at Northern Iowa. Look, Stone. Northern Iowa, absolutely backed into a corner, needs a victory. But it seems like we say that every year about the Panthers. They overschedule out of conference, and everybody thinks they're out of it halfway through the year. But right there at the end, we always hear their name called out when the playoff selections are made. This is a wounded animal. All the cliches you want about the Northern Iowa Panthers football team, bro. They are going to play their best game that they've played in a while. Will it be enough to beat number five, Sac State? I don't know. I like that they're at home, though. You know, I think this is a great opportunity for you and I. I think the only thing that's going to get them up and make them play their best game is playing a top five team in the country. So for that, I do give you and I some edge. But like we said, North Dakota State is who we thought they were. Northern Iowa's not really who, you know, we thought they were. They've played these past few weeks. And they, everything that we predicted at the beginning of the season hasn't really came to fruition. You're right. They are a team that name does pop up, you know, in the, the playoff. And we see them ranked a little higher and win some of these bigger MBC games later on in the season. But this squad doesn't look the same. I think there's a lot of holes. This team is not complete. So I think Sac State wins this game. But I mean, like I said, it's a perfect opportunity for you and I to get up for a game. You're playing a top five team. That's the only thing that's going to get your blood flowing here. Number six, Montana State takes on Oregon State of the FBS in Portland. I think the fact that it's in in Portland is good for Montana State. That environment won't be nearly as hostile as it could be if it was being played on campus there at Oregon State. Tommy Malott, strong running game, good defense, solid special teams. I mean, it seems like we just repeat a mantra, right? All the good teams do everything well Montana State does. Not real sure if I like the matchup here, but, you know, it's been a minute since Montana State has knocked off an FBS opponent. Oregon State's pretty good. I think Montana State has an opportunity to be great. And if you want to be classified as one of the great teams in your school's history, go out and get you an FBS scalp. Bobcats might do just that. I hate this matchup, to be honest with you, Kev. I'm going to disagree with you again, right? The only thing that Bobcats have going for them here is it's a look-ahead spot for Oregon State, right? They got USC coming to town next week, a top 10 team, in the NCAA and the FBS. I think this is a, 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 a just a, like I said, a horrible matchup for these guys. So Oregon State's coming off a win against Fresno State. 
they beat and picked up Jake Hanner, which is no easy task. He's one of the best quarterbacks in college football. So I think from a preparation standpoint, you go from watching one of the best quarterbacks in college football, that film, a really high-powered, high-octane offense in Fresno State, and now you're preparing for a young quarterback in Tommy Mallott. I don't think Tommy's ready for this. I think these DBs move a little bit faster than he's ever seen before, and these guys up front are going to be a little bigger than what he's seen before. So I don't like the matchup here. I think Oregon State runs away with this one. Number seven, Incarnate Word is at Prairie View A&M. The word for the word this week, no letdowns. Can't have it. You now have some expectations that nobody but Kevin Marshall and Stone Labanowitz put on you before the season started, and yet now you're in a spot where, man, you were able to make a pretty meteoric rise up the top 25, but if you don't handle your business against teams you ought to, you can see yourself fall right back down there. I think Lindsey Scott, the fact that, you know, this is kind of new territory for him. Nichols was okay when he was their quarterback, but the fact that everybody in FCS football is talking about him, it's something that he deserved at his last stop, but really wasn't getting because Nichols wasn't winning. Incarnate word is, and I don't believe there'll be a letdown this week. We'll have to see. Prairie View A&M will fight you. It'll be a tough ball game. I'm with you all the way here, Kev. Incarnate word by a million. I think this train keeps rolling. I think they put up a lot of points again. They're going to Eclipse that 40-point mark again for the third week in a row, fourth week in a row. I love these guys, love watching them play. Yeah, it is somewhat of a letdown spot. That's a good call out by you, but I don't think Lindsey Scott works that way. He's too dynamic. He's too explosive. When the whistle blows and he's in between those lines, he wants to put up numbers and he wants to punish you, and I think the word roll here. North Alabama is at number eight, Chattanooga. North Alabama, look, they were a very good program in the division below us. Now they're completely eligible for everything. They gave Indiana State all they wanted and lost in overtime. But you're going to have to win one of these games if you're North Alabama against one of these top 15, top 10 teams to kind of prove to yourself, to your fans, and to everybody in FCS Nation that you're really here. I'm not sure if it's this week. Look, Chattanooga is the quietest number eight team that you've ever seen, right? Not a whole lot of people talking about them. They just go out, have a great offensive line, great defensive line, and they dominate the action in the trenches. And in a SOCON, man, that's how you have to win. Yeah, I'm looking for sparks on defense from this mock squad. I think there's a lot of turnovers. They generate early. They've done it week after week after week, and they're going to score 30-plus again. I think this is a great spot to beat up on North Alabama, and I don't see anything going wrong for the Mox team. Love that you called them a quiet top-10 team. I think that's exactly what they are. You know, earlier in the season, I did call them a contender. I think this defense is serious in the way their secondary flies around and is able to generate turnovers. That's something that you're going to lean on in the playoffs. Number nine, Delaware is at number 20, Rhode Island. Huge battle in the CAA. Delaware, look, you got an FBS win. Then you win the rivalry game with Delaware State. But your offense hasn't looked great. Need to be good against Rhode Island. The Rams play pretty good on the defensive side of the ball. For sure. If you rewind the clock, this game was a popcorn. It was a cracker match last season. It was awesome. You know, Rhode Island finished the deal with a turnover late in the game. Turnover galore last year, though. So I think both of these teams clean it up. They're both a little more refined. I look for Nolan Henderson to kind of lead the way here, as I always do each and every week. But this is somewhat of a rivalry matchup, or at least that's what it's become. So expect this game to be really close. I can see it being in the five, six, seven point margin. If somebody wins, it's not going to be by much. So I'm excited to get my eyes on this game and watch it from start to finish. Grambling State is at number 10, Jackson State. Can anybody stop this train that is Jackson State from just keeping on, keeping on down the track? And is Grambling State just their next victim? 
man, it's hard for me to see anybody stand firm against Jackson State in the SWAC this year. I just think they're too good. Tennessee State probably has as much talent as anybody in the country does, and they did a good job limiting the offense last week from Jackson State. I don't think Grambling has the fellas yet. You're right. They did limit Shadour Sanders. His stats were not as high, not as prolific as they usually are. And I believe Jackson State was only held to 16 points. I think you got a bad taste in your mouth. They're going to hate the film that they had to watch leading up to this week. They watched it one time, threw it in the garbage, and they're going to punish Grambling State. They are the victims this week, Kevin. Number 11, William & Mary is at Lafayette. Normally, Stone, when you see these CAA versus Patriot League games, you look at it as being a pretty sure victory for the CAA team. Not so fast, as that fellow on ESPN says. Look, William & Mary, good football team, can't afford a letdown, just like some other teams in the country. But it was a really good week last week for the Patriot League against the CAA. Yeah, I love William & Mary here. A chance to crack our top 10 with a dominating performance. They're for real, right? I know you had, you had been on them early on in the season, and I was a little skeptical, right? I wanted them to show me a few things, and boy, did they. I like this tribe squad. I think they're going to do damage against this Lafayette squad and just punish them. CAA versus Patriot League. Yeah, it's been a little testy lately, but I don't think of here. I think William & Mary's for real this year, and they want to make a statement. Number 12, Villanova is that army of the FBS. Look, interesting ball game here. Army is just like the Citadel and any other triple option teams in the country, very limited with the new blocking rules, having to try to figure out other ways to get the ball to the perimeter rather than just lining up in the flex bone and having the lead back cut the guy on the edge. Can't do that anymore. It's a 15-yard penalty every time. So offenses are having to evolve. Now, they don't necessarily like it, Stone, but, you know, Army and Navy and Air Force and the Citadel are not places where, you know, they stand with a lot of complaining, you know, and moaning. You know, uh, uh, you can go everywhere else in the country and complain about stuff that you can't control all you want. Those are not places where you can do that. Now, Villanova, they've looked good on the offensive side of the ball. Got to take care of the football against Army. Possessions will be limited. Man, it's a tough one to call. A very tough one to call. Take care of the football. Connor Watkins, four interceptions last week. This team combined for eight penalties for 80 yards. That's not a good recipe leading up to Army, who's really disciplined and keeps that, you know, that penalty count down to a very low minimum. But last week, you talked about the offense spreading it around. Yeah, five guys scored touchdowns for Villanova last week. So if they can clean up the turnovers and distribute the ball and take advantage of those limited possessions like you did mention, I think they have a chance here, to be honest. But at the same time, you know, things that we saw last week are a problem. Eight penalties, 80 yards, I'll say it again. And Connor Watkins, four interceptions. And you got to throw that film in the garbage. And, and Army's got that film, right? If those are real problems, they're going to try to expose them. So a little worried about Villanova here. Utah Tech is at number 13, Weber State. We know one thing about Utah Tech. They can score, Stone. Yes, they can. I think that they're going to score points against Weber State. I think Weber State needs to be prepared for that. I think they're excited, though. If I'm a quarterback for Weber State, I can't wait to go out and throw five, six touchdowns because I'm going to have that opportunity. My offense is going to run 80, 90 plays, which isn't typical, but Utah State, formerly Dixie State, knows how to air that thing out, knows how to put points on the scoreboard. Looking for a very high-scoring affair. If you're a gambler, take this over here and watch this you know, former D2 team do some damage here because they can score some points real fast. So I'm looking for Weber State to keep the pace, generate a few turnovers here to kind of flip the script, get some good field position on some special teams plays, but ultimately... Got to score some points here if you're Weber State. I'm looking forward to see if they can. 
number 24, the Citadel, was at number 14, Mercer. Quiet, very good ball game here. Not particularly sure I like the matchup for the Citadel. Speed is what Mercer has, and it's everywhere. Defense is going to have to play sound. Maybe let Mercer move the ball as much as they want between the 30s and then try to bow up. Going to be a tough test on the road for the Citadel Bulldogs at number 14, Mercer. Really, really interesting matchup between the two because I think Mercer is built to stop the run. You know, in the weeks past, we've talked about that linebacking core. Some of these guys up front are big, have really good size, and I think they're built to stop a team that runs this triple option and that runs a lot of these veer, you know, these outside zones as well and this wing T kind of stuff. I think that Mercer's built for it. I did want to point out something, though. So TJ Finley, an Auburn quarterback that Mercer played last week, was picked off twice by this defense. So I think if you can get these guys in third and longs to get them in awkward down and distances and let this team, you know, cause a few turnovers, I think Mercer squeaks out of this one with a victory. But again, same old story. If Citadel can own that clock, own those possessions, kind of get themselves in second and shorts and third and shorts, yeah, they definitely have a chance here. And I think if this game is near tied at halftime, we got ourselves to ball game because Citadel will gain confidence, especially knowing what they did down the stretch last week. It's time for a quick timeout. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. I'm DJ Coulter from Fargo, North Dakota. Welcome to American Family Insurance. I understand that choosing the proper insurance protection can be overwhelming. That's why it's so important to find someone you can rely on for trusted advice. As your American Family Insurance agent, I'll work hard to earn your trust, and I look forward to helping you find the right insurance solutions for years to come. Area code 701-235-6641. Or better than that, drop by and see DJ at American Family Insurance at 4215 31st Avenue South, Suite B in Fargo, North Dakota. DJCoulter.com. Everybody has a stump. Stumps in your yard can be an eyesore, a hazardous obstacle, or a home for unwanted pests. Don't put up with them anymore. Call the pros at RW Stump Grinding, Central Virginia's premier stump removal company, and get those stumps removed today. Founded in 2017 by Reggie West, RW Stump Grinding provides fast, friendly, and professional removal of unsightly stumps. Call RW Stump Grinding today at 804-366-4321 or look them up on the web at rwstump.com. And remember, if a stump has you stressed, call Reggie West. And we're back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto. Radio Network. Very pleased to have friend of the program back on, Mr. Luke Morrow, the voice of the Citadel Bulldogs. Luke, heck of a win last week by the Dogs in Charleston. Yeah, it sure was, and it was very much needed after the way they played in week one to bounce back like that, to do it against the top 10 team at home, and to win a home opener for the first time in five years, or a conference opener as well for the first time in a couple of years. So, you know, for the Bulldogs to get that win, uh, you feel like you can compete with anybody in this tough Southern Conference moving forward, and you get another ranked team this week. So uh, for a number of reasons, a great victory for the Citadel this past week. Look, I scream it on shows all over the country, not just my own, but a bunch, that people who discount how good the SOCON is uh, really just have no clue what they're talking about. I don't believe there's another league in this country where a team that was picked last and next to last in the preseason, will upset a team that got first-place votes. The SOCON is deep, and really, when people say anybody can beat anybody, usually that's a cliche. That ain't true in the SOCON, is it, Luke? 
No, it's 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 a great uh, it's a great conference, and I've been here now. This is my fifth year with the Citadel, and it's something that I've seen each year that it is kind of topsy turvy. As you said, anyone can win every week, and it's something that the head coach of the Bulldogs, Coach Brent Thompson, was talking about this past week, where. As he said, he thinks it's such a tough conference that, look, uh, no one's going to go undefeated this year. Everyone's going to have a loss. So um, it, it should be wide open. And for the Bulldogs to beat a team like ETSU, who was picked to finish second in the preseason poll, that's no fluke. Uh, it wasn't a, a, a one-deal thing. Uh, the Bulldogs played really well. They can compete uh, on a, certainly on a good day uh, with anybody in this conference. And we saw that this past week. And I imagine you know, against Mercer, uh, hopefully we see something similar, a competitive game for sure. But from top to bottom, it's a really good conference. Don't take anything away from, from ETSU. They're a good team. The Citadel just played really well, and we see it every year uh, that these teams from the bottom will beat the, the teams at the top. Uh, no one is safe each week, and it makes the conference so much fun, certainly by year's end, because everybody feels like they have a chance. And even the good teams, the best teams in the conference, who are good teams, can always be had each week. I mean, you could say that for football in general, any given Sunday or any given Saturday, another cliche, but in the Southern conference, it's what makes the, the conference so interesting. There's a lot of talent, especially the quarterback position. And it makes for, uh, for these games each week to be very fascinating. That's why I like to have play-by-play guys on Luke, because you just about read my mind. The next question I was going to ask is Peyton Derrick's done a pretty good job leading the Citadel football team at the quarterback position so far. He has the ability to put the ball right where an open guy can get it. And that's a huge thing that the Citadel hasn't always had, and they kind of do this year. Yeah, it's true. And it's something that uh, I've heard people talk about over this past week, looking at that ETSU game, that uh, for the Citadel to have that dimension added to their offense, you know, they've been using the I formation more. They're able to throw out of that a little easier at Peyton Derrick. And a lot of credit to him. I mean, he comes over and people could, could look up the true story, but, you know, he's working at Home Depot. He applies for a coaching job in February, the same week that the Bulldogs starting quarterback transferred out. He had a year of eligibility. He steps in. And in his first year in this offense, the first game against Campbell, like the offense wasn't great, only scored 10 points, but he looked comfortable in just running that offense. He looked like somebody who had done it before in what is a unique style in this option. And it's different than what he had done in the past at, uh, at Wofford and even Appalachian State. So he looked comfortable from the start, and then he looked even better this past week. In that first game against Campbell, he had a couple of interceptions, didn't take care of the football. He played clean football this past week, made good decisions, and uh, provided some offense through the air. He had the touchdown pass to Tyler Cherry that was huge, and just a few big completions throughout the day, another one that was wiped out that uh, was a big one to the tight end. Otherwise, his numbers would have looked even better. So it's, it's, a, it's a credit to him. He's looked comfortable from day one. All reports are he's a great teammate, good leader, uh, which is always important in that position. And he's adding a little wrinkle to this offense that uh, maybe they haven't had this efficiently in recent years with that passing attack. And the coaches have said as as he gets more comfortable, as this offense gets more in sync, they do want to throw it you know, a little bit more. We saw that this past week, and I imagine as the year goes on, we'll see even more passing out of Peyton Derrick, and, and that makes this offense even uh, even tougher to try to match up against. FCS Nation, we're joined by Mr. Luke Morrow, the play-by-play voice for the Citadel Bulldogs. Luke, I watched the game. I didn't see the Citadel in the flex bone more than once or twice. Has the, the new blocking rules really just made the triple option kind of obsolete in college football? Yeah, you know, obsolete may be a, a, a strong term, but absolutely it's had a huge impact and a huge, huge change. As I said, I mean, they went to the I formation more. I talked to the coaching staff last week. They said they've added you know, like 30 formations here in the offseason or, or 30 more wrinkles into the playbook of different formations they could get into. You got to get a little creative. You got to change things a little bit. 
Uh, talked to Coach Thompson this past week, and he said, that, hey, at least it allows them to be a little more creative, to do some different things. They've been thinking about using the I formation more. Maybe now they're, you know, they're forced to do so. But absolutely, even if you watch Army, Navy, any of these teams, it's so much harder now to run on the uh, on the perimeter. And we've seen that with the Bulldogs where they haven't tried to do that a lot this year. Unfortunately, that's kind of been bad news for the A-backs. They haven't gotten as many touches. Uh, Nikki Joku had just one this past week. You know, Cooper Wallace, uh, who's a really good running back, has, I think, 14 carries, so on and so forth. The numbers just haven't been there. It's been more about the beatbacks, and in large part because uh, you're hesitant to go out on the perimeter. There's a couple of plays that you can go back and watch the film from this past week against ETSU where typically in years past, it looks like the Citadel has it set up. They have a blocker on that perimeter, uh, a chance to spring a guy for a big run. But as you said, with the blocking rules, you can't, you know, you can't block low uh, on the outside. It makes it harder. Guy can shed a tackle, or I should say shed a block and make a tackle. And we've seen this year already through two games, a couple of plays, that look like, hey, this could be something, and it doesn't turn into much because of the change in these blocking rules. It just makes it difficult to run the option plays to the outside. So, you know, Logan Billings and these other B-backs have, have taken a large load for the sigil, which is usually the case, but more so this year as well. And uh, we'll see that moving forward. So, absolutely, has a big impact. And if you talk to any coach who runs some sort of option offense, they'll tell you that every rule has, has been made to – hurt their style of play and help the others that run RPOs or that like to throw it more. So um, it's not an antiquated offense, but it is becoming more difficult to operate as the rules change seemingly each year in college football. I mean, I know you won't say it, but I will. Uh, that's what you get, right, for making several of the NCAA's cash cow coaches nervous. Can't have that, can we? <laughs> Yeah, you know, Coach Thompson referenced this past week. He's not one of the coaches involved in uh, in making these decisions. It's other coaches, and as you allude to, it's not coaches that are running these types of offenses that are trying to, you know, change these rules or make these changes. And, and Coach Thompson or the other option coaches don't have much of a say. Otherwise, they'd obviously push back on it. So, uh, unfortunately, that's typically how it goes, but those making the decisions are the ones that aren't as impacted uh, by these rules because they're not running that type of offense. FCS Nation, that's been Mr. Luke Mara, the play-by-play voice for the Citadel Bulldogs. Thanks for making the time, Luke. Always appreciate it. Best of luck down there in Macon on Saturday. I appreciate it, and the pleasure is all mine. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Welcome back to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. It's my favorite time of the week, y'all. This is where Stone Lebanowitz and I go head-to-head and pick some of the games we broke down in the third segment. Up first, number one, North Dakota State is at Arizona. I like Arizona here, 28-21. They top the Bison. I asked you the question earlier, Stone. You have to wonder why Arizona just didn't cut North Dakota State a check, buy them out. Uh, I think the Bison are going to whip them. Take NDSU on the road over FBS Arizona, 27-17. Number two, Montana is at Indiana State. A lot to a little here. Love this Montana squad. I got them 38-14 over Indiana State. Grizz defense is the best they've had in a minute in Missoula, and that's saying something, y'all. Offense is like we talked about earlier, coming along. They'll get it in gear a little bit better this week. Take the Grizz on the road over the trees, 31-10. Number three, Missouri State is at Arkansas of the FBS. It's a K.J. Jefferson block party. Look for him to go off and and take his jersey, take his pads off in the third and fourth quarter here. 
48-21, Arkansas on top. You know, I don't think so. I think Arkansas wins the football game, but I think this is a four-quarter fight to the finish. Maybe Arkansas will get one in garbage time at the end to make it look a little worse than it was. And like we talked about, a movie script would have Bobby Petrino return to Fayetteville and whip them. Well, you know, life ain't a movie, though, y'all. Take Arkansas, 38-24. Butler is at number four, South Dakota State. Look for South Dakota State to keep the ball on the ground, control the clock, and get this one done 27-7. This is a much-needed get-right game for the Jackrabbits offense. Mark Ranowski through the air and the strong ground game are just too much here. The Butler won't do it. Take South Dakota State, 31-10. Number five, Sacramento State is at Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa's got to show me more. I got Sac State 35-17. If I'm going to go with these Northern Iowa guys, then they got to show me more. I need more from them. I like Sacramento State here. Are the Hornets for real? Well, we're all about to find out this week. Panthers are desperate for a win, and they cannot afford to start 0-3. My upset special of the week. Nobody gets a team out of a corner like Coach Mark Farley. Take the Panthers at home, 24-23. Number six, Montana State is at Oregon State of the FBS. Tommy Mallott ain't ready for this, Kev. Give me Oregon State. Give me the Beavs, 49-21. I agree. There's too much on both sides of the ball for Oregon State here. Take them to win in Portland over Montana State. Oregon State, 34-17. Number seven, Incarnate Word is at Prairie View A&M. Prairie View is Lindsey Scott's punching bag this Saturday. They're dropping 60 on them, 60 to 14, the word on top. No letdown for Incarnate Word, y'all. The word this week is victory. Incarnate Word, 42 to 10. North Alabama is at number eight, Chattanooga. Expecting to see a turnover taken to the house for the mocks, whether it's a pick six, whether it's a scoop and score. I think this defense swarms this North Alabama squad. Got them 30 to 14 on top. The mocks are dominating inferior opponents, and that's what a top 10 team does. The Lions are tough, and they'll fight you. There's no doubt about that. There's no laydown in them. They're not going to be intimidated by the Chattanooga mocks, but I believe the mocks just too strong on both sides, especially defense. Take Chattanooga at home, 31-13. Number nine, Delaware is at number 20, Rhode Island. It's going to be a last possession game. Look for this game to be tied and them to be trading leads back and forth. Like I said, somewhat of a rivalry game at this point. I got the Blue Hens and Nolan Henderson coming out on top with a couple of clutch drives in the fourth quarter. Blue Hens 23, Rhode Island, the Roadies 21. Blue Hens have looked great so far, but Rhodey plays some solid defense. But Delaware, I think they have the better defensive group. They tackle extremely well. Blue Hens will win 24-17. Grambling State is at number 10, Jackson State. I think Jackson State is going to light up the scoreboard here. Like I said, held to 16 points. I think they kind of blow that up now. I'm expecting 48-20. They get back on track. This offense keeps rolling, and you see the swagger come back to the sideline. Like I said last week in the Jackson State game, there's too much Sanders for Jackson State for Grambling this week. And when I say Sanders, I mean both of them, y'all. Jackson State, 31-10. Number 11, William & Mary is at Lafayette. Love the tribe here. Love the tribe here. I think Lafayette is going to keep it close early on, so that's why the scoreline is going to be so low. But I got 28-13. The tribe get it done. Take the tribe on the road over Patriot League Lafayette, 28-17. Number 12, Villanova is that army of the FBS. Boring game, in my opinion. I think Connor Watkins, if he can keep it under a two turnover 
kind of game for them. I think they can keep it close, but ultimately this game's just going to keep breathing down their neck. Army's going to keep knocking on the door. I got Army finishing this one out, 28-13. Every time a team runs the option, Stone Labanowicz, you can hear him roll his eyes, y'all. And uh, and boring <laughs> game. But you know what? We're going to have to arm wrestle over that down in Frisco <laughs> for the national championship game. I think that's one of the best things about college football. People do it differently. The result is the same. It will be the same for Army this week. Take the Black Knights at home at Mikey Stadium, 21-17. Utah Tech is at Weber State. This game's going to raise a lot of eyebrows, but Weber's going to squeak out at the end, 31-27. Give me Weber State at home. They'll handle their business. Utah Tech can score, but Weber State has an excellent defense. That'll show again this week. Weber State, 31. Utah Tech, 17. Number 24, the Citadel is at number 14, Mercer. Let down spot for those Citadel Bulldogs. Even the Mercer Bears on top, 18-17. Look, Mercer don't need the Citadel to have a letdown to beat them. Everything needs to go just about perfectly for the Citadel in this ballgame. Can't put the ball on the ground. Can't throw it to the other team. Have to tackle well. I think they'll do two of those three things, but I don't believe they can do all three. It hurts my heart to do it, y'all. But take Mercer at home, 27-24 over the Citadel Bulldogs. Number 16, Richmond is at Lehigh. Richmond's got to get things going, and I think they do here. Lehigh is a good opportunity to put a lot of points on the board. And I think Jake Harris, BMI transfer, finally finds the end zone. Six receptions, almost 80 yards last week. He's finding his rhythm. He's learning that playbook. I got Richmond 42-10. to 10. Give me the Spiders, too. Too much on offense, and that defense is rounding into shape for Richmond. Take Richmond on the road over Lehigh, 38-27. That brings us to the end of another episode of FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. FCS Nation is produced by Mr. Justin Swallows, co-hosted by Mr. Stone Labanowitz, and the marketing director for FCS Nation is Ms. Stacy Marshall. On behalf of all those good people, I'm executive producer and host Kevin Marshall, thanking you for making FCS Nation a small part of your football week. Like I always do, y'all, I'd like to remind you, the life's a lot like football. You play by the rules and the penalties won't kill you. Until next week, so long, everybody.